Hello, my name is Joy Hall. You're listening to Talent Up, Elevating Leaders. I'm here with Dr. Linda Reese. Linda is the managing partner for leader onboarding and author of The Myth of Fit, Unlock New Leader Success with High Impact Onboarding. Today, we're talking about my favorite aspect of onboarding, the new leader's rivals. I think this is a subject that a lot of transitioning executives can relate to on a personal level. Linda, in your experience, what have you learned about rivals and their impact on a new leader? Joy, that's a great question, and I'm thinking probably the most effective way to tell you about that would be to share a story. Do you mind if I do that? Yeah, that's that's great. Okay, thank you. So imagine you're starting a job in a new company, and you're moving into a very high-level role. You lead a global team. They're friendly, but you notice that they're a little bit distant. You pull together an onboarding offsite, and you ask your coach to interview your team members to understand what the team members need from you and how they rate your transition overall. And the feedback you get from your coach is pretty positive until you learn the reason for the team's coolness. One of their favorite teammates, Maxwell, desperately wanted the role that you won, and he wasn't even considered for it. So during their interviews, 11 members of the team said they were worried about Maxwell. They were concerned about his feelings, fearful that he might leave the company, and wondered if his resentment might harm him or harm your work together. And all this comes as a complete surprise to you because no one told you he had hopes of getting the role that you won. In fact, you were told explicitly that no internal candidates were qualified or even considered for the role. Now your gut tells you that the way you respond will make or break your relationship with Maxwell and possibly the rest of the team. You decide that it's important to face the problem head on. So then what is the best way to respond to this scenario? In this case, Joy, it was our client, Charlotte, who was the one who faced the situation, and the way she handled it made all the difference. She immediately approached Maxwell and let him know that the entire team was worried about how he felt about her assuming the role. She told Maxwell she valued him a lot and that she couldn't be successful in her job without his help. Encouraged by what she said, Maxwell admitted that he had badly wanted the promotion and that he secretly expected to get the job. And even though he logically understood why Charlotte was hired, he was still struggling with the decision that his company had made. He also shared that he was devastated and felt ashamed when the EVP told him that Maxwell's lack of global experience removed him from the list of candidates, so he wasn't even going to be interviewed for the role. So then Charlotte reassured Maxwell that she was committed to getting him the development experience that he would need for a promotion. And Maxwell mustered the courage to stand up before the entire team, saying that though he'd been disappointed, he was certain that Charlotte was the only one truly qualified for this job. He also said he fully supported her and that the rest of the team should do so as well. This is not a typical way to handle a rival situation. We were really glad that Charlotte and Maxwell headed into this in a very mature way. It's important to note that Charlotte did keep her commitment to Maxwell. Six months later, he won a high-visibility role in their Asia-Pacific region. His global experience put him back on the succession plan, and the team followed his lead by fully embracing Charlotte's leadership. That's really interesting. Um, Linda, what lessons can our audience gain from this story? So this story illustrates five important truths about would-be rivals. The first is that for every new hire, there are likely to be people who wanted that job but weren't qualified for it. Secondly, not being qualified for a job doesn't make it any easier to accept the hiring decision or the new leader. 
So third, we've come to believe that anyone who carries bad feelings about a new leader is a potential rival, and that there's always someone that feels this way about their new boss. Fourth, the sooner the new leader understands the hearts and minds of their team members, the better for both them and for the team. And finally, fifth, taking respectful action to de-escalate rivalries is crucial to new leader success, and it's something that we think every new leader should know how to do. In Charlotte's story, you mentioned the coolness of her team. That seems to be the first red flag. What signals should new leaders look for and be aware of? Well, I think the way the team approaches the relationship is probably the most important signal. You know, are they paying attention to what the leader says in meetings? Are they responding quickly to emails? Are they asking questions? Are they saying things that are supportive of the leaders? All those things are indicators of the quality of the relationship and can provide a new leader with some cues on where they can focus their efforts. Linda, what are some of the negative outcomes that Charlotte and Maxwell avoided? Well, I think there's a couple of really important ones. And the first is the kind of outcomes that Charlotte avoided. Uh, With a team that was loyal to Maxwell, it was going to be hard for Charlotte to move initiatives forward, uh, to gain support from the team, to get feedback, to build strong relationships. And so Maxwell had the power to basically unseat Charlotte if he wanted to. On the other hand, when a new leader comes in and experiences behavior from someone who's that determined to get the role, it's unlikely that they're going to engage well together. That creates risk for that person who's the rival because the new boss has the power. And if the new boss feels like that leader is not doing what she expected him to do, she could find it within her rights to fire him. Joy, it may be obvious to you and our listeners, but I'd just like to point out that this was a truly remarkable situation. By responding positively, both Charlotte and Maxwell managed to avert mutual disaster. So, Linda, you were there for that meeting. Correct. With, uh, with Maxwell and Charlotte. What was it like to be there with the team and witness that whole event? Joy, it really felt like one of the best moments of my career. It's like what every coach hopes for, which is, A leader gets feedback that says they need to do something differently. They collaborate really closely with someone who didn't have to collaborate with them. And then they do it in a way that's really authentic and garnered a positive response from the team. I literally had goosebumps while Maxwell was talking, thinking, I'm not going to see this again. And that's one of the reasons why we chose this topic, because it does have a lot of power. Yes, it does. You talked about Charlotte giving Maxwell developmental assignment. Is that an approach that could work with other kinds of rivals? That's a great question, Joy. Actually, um, developmental assignments are probably the number one recommended response that we provide to new leaders who are struggling with rivals. The reason is, is that person, the rival, is someone who's unhappy because their career is not developing as they hoped it would. So whether it's an actual rival who failed to get the job but interviewed or a would-be rival who was never asked, we strongly urge new leaders to understand the goals and ambitions of the leader, help them get a realistic understanding of their skill set, and then put them in positions where they're naturally going to develop skills or possibly a specific job assignment to develop the skills that they'll need to be promotable in the future. Linda, I've got one more question for you. How can others in the company assist a new leader in managing rivals? I think the most important thing is to recognize that those rivalries exist. 
Almost uniformly, when we talk to hiring managers and HR partners and ask them about potential rivals, they'll tell us that there aren't any, that there's really no one who's qualified for the job. And that's sort of beside the point, because rivalry is about the emotional response someone has to the new leader assuming the role. The most emotional responses sometimes come from the people who weren't considered at all. So we just like to define rivalry as an emotional response to a new leader and leave it at that. Well, thank you, Linda, for taking time to share your insight on new leader rivals. Thanks, Joy. It's an important topic, and it's great to be able to talk about it. If you'd like to learn more about how Charlotte and Maxwell handled this situation, please see the feedback-deprived team members section of our book. Their story represents only one of the seven kinds of rivalry situations that any new leader can encounter. I would also like to thank our listeners for tuning in. We hope you gained something from this podcast. As Linda mentioned, you can learn more about new leader rivals in our book, The Myth of Fit, Unlock New Leader Success with High Impact Onboarding. You can find a link to the book on our homepage at www.leaderonboarding.com. Next month, we will have guest speaker Mark Markram from Illinois Toolworks to share with you his journey on becoming an internal onboarding expert. We hope you can join us. Thank you.